RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. It's edition number 200, and I am your host, Tim Loy. I'm joined by the usual cast of characters, Justin Watson, Torres, Finney, Jeff Hobbs, Greg Hopkins on the line with me, and it is a recap and reaction show from this past week's BFC 80 All Pro event. It went down at the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. We're going to go down and uh, go back and uh, relive all the action. We're going to go uh, also through our, our picks and predictions and see how our uh, panelists did on their scores. And then we'll wrap things up today with a look ahead at this weekend's UFC return. Get some picks on that one. Uh, guys, how we doing? We've got uh, a big All Pro show in the book. So you're turning towards uh, a busy summer schedule, two shows in May, and then uh, a busy uh, June and July with a lot of announcements coming up as well. Uh, we have, uh, of course, uh, Justin Watson uh, has got our, our our scores as we go into this recap. If you'll get us up to speed, Justin, on uh, our panelist scores as we go into this, not not, not the final tally, but as the uh, uh, set the table for uh, how everybody began all right, so going into this uh, fourth event uh, of this year, Greg was in the lead with 67 points, Torres with 64, and Hobbs with 61. All right, so it's a uh, it is a close race here as we uh, as we go into this all pro event. Of course, um, they uh, will will start at the uh, the beginning as we are apt to do, and we had uh, females kicking things off on, on this card. Uh, a difficult card, I will say, to preface to to keep together, man. This was to be a smaller card. This was really stressful with a lot of uh, a lot of changes at the last minute. We'll we'll cover some of that stuff as we go as well. But um, you know, we we opened up the card with a female bout, and we went all the rounds on this one. We had uh, Morgan Hickam uh, knock off Hannah Rosario by unanimous decision. Uh, pretty competitive fight, though. Honestly, I thought that uh, you know it was actually one of the better performances I've seen from Hannah Rosario. She didn't seem to be fighting so tentatively. Uh, she really kind of was letting it all hang out there. Drops Morgan in the first round. Morgan shows a lot of uh, uh, composure there and kind of, uh, you know, from there kind of took the round back over. But, uh, you know, some nice instances of offense from Hannah Rosario, some good composure and uh, just overall uh, technique showed off by Morgan Hickam. Hobbs, uh, your take on this one. Yeah, it was a good, uh, good win for Morgan Hickam because she fought a much improved Hannah Rosario. Uh, this is probably the best Hannah Rosario we've seen. Uh, kind of brought the fight to Morgan. Uh, like you said, dropped her in the first round. And, uh, you know, Morgan persevered and, uh, you know, took this to a judge's decision. Um, you know, the right, uh, <clears throat> the right call was made by the judges. I think it was uh, uh, pretty evident that Morgan had uh, done everything she needed to do to wrap up every round. Um, you know, just from, uh, you know, an outsider looking in and, and being positioned to where we were, I think her coaches would be, uh, pretty happy with the, the result. Uh, but maybe there's still some room there. Um, I noticed a lot in this fight, uh, not necessarily that Morgan isn't listening to her coaches, but maybe just not hearing, you know, the instructions. Cause I did notice quite a bit, you know, her, her corner emphatically asking her to do something and, uh, you know, just not uh, reacting to, to what they were saying. So, you know, maybe a couple of things uh, still in the growing process there to work on. 
you know, hearing the coaches uh, and their instructions. But again, it's probably the best win uh, for Morgan Hickam because of uh, the huge improvement that uh, Rosario showed uh, in this fight. I think also it was nice, uh, you know, for Morgan to be able to get those and Hannah for that for that matter, to get those full three rounds, all 15 minutes of cage time in as pros instead of having a quick finish. So they both got a, a lot more uh, experience out there under the lights as pros getting to go the full five minute rounds. Didn't look like either lady gassed either. I thought uh, both gas tanks checked out well. Uh, Justin, what were the results for the panelists? Everybody picked uh, Morgan on that one. Greg and Hobbs got the extra point with the decision. All right. Uh, moving on to our second bout of the night, it was uh, it was Dan Bailey taking on uh, the ever so tall Robert Brown all the way down from uh, Capitol Heights, Maryland. Uh, pleasure to work with uh, Mr. Robert Brown. Very professional. We had some hiccups in the lead up on his uh, medicals, but he uh, absolutely showed a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, what would you say? I guess uh, just uh, get up and go and uh, didn't just sit around and, and uh, moan about it. Just got up and got it done. So uh, props to him. Love to have him back. But this one was all Dan Bailey uh, overcoming the size uh, disadvantage here, of, uh, working out of the takedown, and then uh, raining down some some big ground and pound and elbows from the top that ended up um, uh, splitting uh, Robert Brown pretty good above the eye. I don't think the fight was, was stopped because of that, but he was certainly leaking pretty good afterward. Uh, Torres, this is a fight you were excited for. Yeah, this is the one. Um, um, yeah, Dan Bailey uh, showed exactly what I you know expected him to do. Um, uses wrestling and he utilized that big time. I mean, Robert Brown was there to come and strike. Um, you know, I didn't see, uh, you know, Dan Bailey, you know, he was really aware of Robert Brown ground game. Um, he even said that in the post fight interview. So Dan, Dan Bailey, you know, he worked hard and he looked phenomenal. I mean, what a great pro debut to have, but yeah, he looked really good uh, coming out. So uh, I was excited to see that. I mean, Robert Brown, like you say, we would like to see that, you know, uh, him, him again. You know, it was the you know grappler versus striker type of matchup, and I would like to see him. You know, against another striker. See how you know see see how those skills come out. You know, you always got to be ready for the ground game. But that was great to see. But Dan Bailey and whatever what he's been doing in the amateur ranks is carrying on to the pro team. So excited to see for him. Yeah, you're right, man. I thought that Dan uh, was very composed out there. Uh, I think he's a guy that we'll probably see try to get several fights uh, in in a short amount of time. He seems like the type that's going to want to stay busy and get right back out there. And I think you're right as well. Robert Brown is a guy that could make some very interesting matchups at 155 pounds, which is a very wide division. Uh, there's lots of very cool matchups I think that we could make for him, especially with his size, just presenting that different uh, dimension uh, to things, if you will. Uh, just Justin, what will we have on this one? Everybody takes Dan Bailey. Um, no extra points awarded. All right. Moving on to our uh, third bout. It was uh, Chris Bond, the Honey Badger, uh, taking on Paul T. And uh, this one was one that, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of interest in this one coming in. Just for, It was just kind of a weird uh, one of the, those fights where you just didn't really know what you're going to get. Paul's always uh, – offering a lot of uh, odd uh, angles and kicks in offense. Um, you know, Chris Bond out there for the first time with uh, with KMAA. And so, uh, you know, it, it was interesting to see that dynamic. Uh, we got to see some the crazy uh, spin kicks and uh, some, some kicks I don't even know the name of uh, from Paul Teague, as we expected. But ultimately, Chris Bond gets him down and Paul Teague submits two strikes in the first round. Chris Bond moves to two and oh, Paul Teague. He laid them gloves down in the middle of the cage. Uh, Torres. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I was looking at that matchup. I mean, we knew a lot of us, you know, all I think all of us picked Chris Bond. Um, but we saw like Paul Teague. I mean, he's a <laughs> he's a wild card. I mean, look, he came out with a lot of wild kicks, like you said. But Chris Bond, I mean, you know, he held his composure. Uh, he, that probably wasn't a way he was excited to see how the fight go, but it went really well. Once he got on top, the elbows, the punches, he rained down from on top. And um, I think Paul Teague, uh, you know, he went on and you know retired. So uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, not not the way he wanted to go out, but. You know, uh, and like you say, he put his heart and soul into this MMA game. And, you know, hey, he loved it and he enjoyed it, but he, it was time for him to let it go. And uh, like I said, Chris Bond, he's still got a lot more fights in front of him. So you got to see what see what, what presents himself now. So that was really good. That was a really interesting matchup uh, starting off. I was excited to see when Paul T came out with those flying kicks. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Justin, uh, scores on that. Uh, everybody took Bond by TKO, and I gave everybody the extra point because uh, Paul Teague said that he was out and woke up, and like that's why I was tapping was because he was knocked out. So <laughs> since everybody took TKO, and it was more of a he tapped a strike, so I gave everybody the extra point. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, uh, it's always it's always a little bit I'll of uh, a little extra. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, about number four, we had uh, Garrett Sharp returning uh, to the pro uh, to the pro ranks. Uh, he came in one and zero, and he took on Drayon Martin, uh, who who was one and six coming into this. But I thought had a pretty nice accounting for himself. Honestly, uh, Garrett Sharp did not get the takedown. Um, I don't know. Well, he might have gotten a takedown at one point, and Drayon worked his way back up. But it certainly they weren't coming easy, and it seemed like Drayon was able to kind of dictate where the fight was going. Uh, throughout most of that first round, I thought he showed a little uh, mental lapse of sort um, as he ended up taking Garrett Sharp down late in that round. Garrett with no resistance there because that's where he wanted to be, and it wasn't long before Drayon was tapping from that triangle from young Garrett Sharp, who moves to 2-0. Uh, really nice win for him, and honestly, not a bad showing. I didn't think for Drayon Martin, just a little bit of uh, mental lapse there, but he was looking pretty good, I thought. Greg, your take. I just I think that Garrett Sharp, uh, he's just showing time and time again. Every time he comes in, there, how much better he's getting uh, and beating Drayon Martin. You know, we I was expecting a more maybe a a longer fight, maybe more drug out. But Garrett didn't didn't want to leave no uh, no question marks in there. He wanted to let everybody know <clears throat> he climbs to two and zero uh, with two submissions in the first round and. Uh, he's putting that whole lot of what you know that lightweight division on uh, on alert right now with his uh, with his ground skills, and uh, you know when his record's not showing how good his stand up is, man. This kid, uh, I don't think this kid ever wrestled, but he's got wrestling, I, and I don't know that he ever boxed, but he's got boxing, man. This guy's uh, coming from a KMA. They're you know they're brewing up a really good fighter over there, man. I'm excited to see Garrett Sharp and where he comes uh, or where he goes. I'm sorry, where he goes here and who he gets. Who he get? Who he hits next? He joked around saying, "You're next, Greg." You know, but uh, then I'd like to see Drayon Martin come back and get back in the mix. Maybe come on down here and uh, you know, maybe fight Sam McAlpin or something. Maybe take somebody on uh, that Garrett Sharp just beat. You know, uh, I actually, uh, actually am very curious to see where uh, Gary Sharp uh, lands next. You know, this one was a 55, but we know he can make 45. I think that's where he's going to take on the the bulk of his 
you know, uh, really, really, uh, you know, tough or tough opponents will be at 45. So uh, I'm curious to see if they ramp him up a little bit next and where that goes. And, and uh, yeah, I'd like to see Dreon Martin back, too. I think, uh, you know, he was he was in good shape and a uh, strong guy and he's got some potential there. I think uh, just just a little a uh, few kinks to, to iron out. But he, he could definitely still give some guys some interesting fights. I think maybe uh, what I'd like to see is Dreon Martin versus uh, the guy that we're going to talk about in our next fight. Uh, Justin, what is uh, the 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 t- Tally on this one. Everybody takes Sharp, Greg, and Torres uh, getting the extra point with the sub. All right. So the panelists are rolling so far. Moving into the next one. This one is when business really picked up, y'all. It was Alex Riggs taking on Robert McCann. Riggs out of Shield Systems. First time we saw him, uh, uh, or we've seen him with uh, with Shield Systems since he made the switch from Warriors Den. Taking on Robert McCann out of Bullman's uh, there in Knoxville. It's been a long time since we've seen anybody from Bullman's fight out as well. And, man, McCann brought a crew. Uh, they, they were some rowdy uh, mofos, man. But they were a lot of fun, actually. Uh, and Riggs' people were loud, too. It, it, these guys really put on a good fight. They, there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of back and forth. If this had been a DraftKings fight, then we probably would have had a lot of DraftKings points scored <laughs> just from uh, the various transitions and the back and forth. Uh, both guys, really nice showings, but it was Alex Riggs. They came out of there with uh, the tap out late in the first round. I would have liked to have seen this one go a little bit longer because both these guys really had their moments. And I think Robert McCann versus Dreon Martin would probably be a really, really good fight uh, next up. Uh, Jeff Hobbs, your take. Yeah, this is uh, one of those fights I was really um, I was okay with losing on the picks panel. Um, you know, Alex Riggs answered all the questions, or I'd say my questions, on all the reasons why I thought he wouldn't win this fight was I wasn't sure if the uh, necessary changes, uh, you know, had been made. And like I said, uh, very happy to find out he proved, uh, you know, proved me wrong. Uh, still some holes there, but there was such an improvement um, from the Alex Riggs that I knew and seen fighting in Dixon, Tennessee, um, you know, as, a, as an amateur and, and starting out his uh, pro career than, than the Alex Riggs that we saw, you know, the other night. Like you said, from a, a promotion standpoint and an entertainment standpoint, you know, wish it could have gone longer because those battling crowds, uh, this is the point in the card where, you know, we kicked it up to 10. You know, we took it up another notch here, and it set the tone for the rest of the card with those two crowds, man. And that's those are the those those two guys and those crowds that they brought. I mean, that's what makes a Cotton Eye Joe event or those type of crowds. Those are those are what we're known for, um, and, and that was the one on this card that uh, that made it. You know, a VFC at Cotton Eye Joe's was that one. But, uh, Alex Rick looks good, man. And, and at two and two right now, uh, you know, we talk about matchups, and there's quite a few on this actual bout sheet right here that, that we could, you know, puzzle piece around. And, you know, seeing that we still got a lot of improvement to make, uh, and he's a local guy, I'd like to see Robert Brown versus uh, Alex Riggs uh, at some point. Because um, I think both of those guys, like uh, Torres was saying, uh, will keep it standing and, you know, give uh, Robert Brown an opportunity to showcase his stand-up and give Alex Riggs an opportunity to uh, show more improvement and, uh, you know, hopefully get on the positive side of a record. I like that fight as well, man. I think Robert Brown and Alex Riggs would be a really interesting matchup. Uh, Riggs not one to really shoot for takedowns, and and, uh, we kind of get a nice little firefight, I think. Justin, uh, what's the picks? Greg took Riggs there. The other two took their first loss. 
Okay, and uh, let's see. Let's move on here. We've got our uh, uh, welterweight contest next. Bit of an upset on the picks panel, I believe. Uh, Tank Wilson Jr. makes his long-awaited pro debut against Jeremiah Curtright. Uh, and we said last week, man, Curtright's a guy that you can't really sleep on. His record is deceptive. He in when you you saw him as well, you're like, man, this guy's in good shape, and he's here, and he's serious, and uh, and he's ready to fight. And uh, you know, early in the fight, we saw Tank get that uh, signature big slam takedown, work from the top, but uh, Curtright was very very, very squirrely on the bottom, constantly throwing up submission attempts. There was a big up kick that landed, I think, uh, there uh, towards the end of the action that uh, that definitely stunned Tank a little more than what people thought. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Kurt Wright got up, started flurrying. Uh, Tank never went down against the cage, but the referee stepped in and stopped the fight because uh, I guess he'd seen enough uh, enough unanswered punches by Kurt Wright. So uh, Jeremiah Kurt Wright gets his first win uh, as a pro. Tank Wilson, uh, not off to the start that he had hoped for, I'm sure, as uh, he'll look to get back on track soon. I'm curious if that 170 cut had anything to do with uh, with things. I think that after the fight, I uh, chatted with Tank some, and he said that he did feel like it had drained him some. So uh, maybe he'll be back at 85. I'm not sure. Uh, or maybe he'll just give it another shot at 170 with some tweaks. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see. Uh, Torres, your take on this one. It was uh, definitely a, a back-and-forth affair uh, between uh, Tank in the first half and uh, Kurt Wright in the second half. Yeah, um, I agree with you, Tim. Um, I was I, I was big in that fight. I mean, Tank, you know, he started off strong and fast, you know, as he does in all his fights. And, um, I mean, Tank had the top position on him. I mean, I ain't going to lie to you. What we said the last show is if Jeremiah Cutright could survive that onslaught early on, the fight gets interesting. And that's exactly what Jeremiah did. I mean, once he was able to escape, I will say, I, like you said, that up kit did, I think it probably did stun him. But I do think um, Tank slightly gassed um, being on top for um, I think he was on top for like, what, two minutes, two and a half minutes. And, um, you know, this constant action and uh, Jeremiah just kept moving. And once Jeremiah got up, uh, you saw Tank to throw many strikes at all, if any. And he his back was on the cage. And that's when Jeremiah was just unleashing his hands. But I think that cut from, you know, you got to remember, <laughs> this man used to cut the yeah, I don't know if he did cut the 85. Did he used to really cut the 85, or was it like just an easy um cut? I don't I don't think that he cut a whole lot at 85, honestly. I, I feel like he was probably walking, you know, around 195 or so. So I don't think it was a massive cut. Yeah. So that extra 15 pounds. Tough, yeah, and you saw and you gotta remember he didn't even weigh in that he weighed in at 168. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> that that's tough. And um, you know, I'm excited to see what he comes back. I think he's gonna come back. Um, with a you know a fire lit on him, I mean, I I do expect him to make that transition back to eighty five, but if he do come back to seventy, I think they'll do it differently, especially at KMMA. So, Justin, uh, what do everybody have? Everybody takes a loss on this one. Everybody went with uh, Tank. Yeah, that's what I thought there. Uh, so yeah, we may owe uh, Kurt Ryan a little uh, a little media here uh, as we uh, as we move forward. I'd like to see him back too. He was uh, very professional and uh, easy to work with uh, and skilled uh, beyond his record. Uh, moving on, we had Tyler Edwards taking on Aaron Hughes at one fifty five. Uh, another kind of tale of two rounds here. I thought Tyler Edwards uh, got the better of the first round, landed the better strikes. Um, you know. Uh, but at one point, I guess there was an unchecked kick potentially that uh, that broke his foot. And and when I went back and watched the video, I didn't notice this live. And I went back and watched the video about halfway through the round. You'll start to see that foot start to 
puff up some. And then they went to the ground. They're both torquing uh, foot locks and ankle locks and heel hooks. And so all the manners of extra damage being done at that point, I'm sure. Uh, I think that Tyler, uh, he went for a, a Dars choke at one point that seemed very tight. And, you know, Hughes was definitely uncomfortable. And, you know, you could tell by his face that he was super close. His hand was even up like he was going to tap, but he gutted through it to his credit. And in the second round, uh, you know, it looked like Tyler was a little hesitant to come out. It was obvious that his foot was definitely affecting him. Uh, his corner urged him on to go out there and just, you know, kind of let it all hang out. But at that point, I think uh, he was starting to to decline, if you will. And and, and to Aaron Hughes' credit, he he jumped on uh, his opportunity and ended up getting a TKO there uh, about a minute, minute and a half into that second round to get his first pro win. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Uh, all right. Yeah, we knew this one going in was going to be <clears throat> exciting because we talked about Tyler Edwards not being a very nice guy. Uh, and then you had uh, you had Aaron Hughes making his debut right here. So, you know, facing, a, I think, a very deceptive Tyler Edwards. But we spoke about it on the last podcast, how much time has Tyler been able to put into training, how much time has he been able to really get after it, being that he's, you know, promoting all, you know, primal combat all the time. That's his, that's his promotion. So, uh, he just had a show, so that's what that was. What I was worried about going into this fight it was, uh, is is he going to be able to, you know, make going to hold up? But we didn't even get to find out because his foot got, you know, I seen it. I was right there next to you guys, and his foot puffy, uh, and I forgot about that point you were talking about when they were just sitting there getting back trying to hook heels. Get straight ankle bars and all kinds of stuff. So I'm sure Tyler Edwards, uh, I'd like to see a picture of his uh, old purple foot today. But Aaron Hughes, uh, he surprised me. I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting the explosion, the explosiveness coming from him. And uh, once he saw Tyler starting to fade, because in the corner during the first round, Tyler was questioning going back out, but his coach was just yelling at him, telling him, "No, you've got to do it. You've got to do it." And uh, and Tyler stood up and, you know, went out on his shield. But shouts out to Aaron Hughes, man. He, he just took off. When he seen when he smelled blood, he went to eat. I mean, he went after uh he went after Edwards bad. He went after him and he got that finish. So uh good job, Tyler Edwards. Uh he's is this this is one fifty five? This is one fifty five, yeah. Edwards is typically campaign more like thirty five. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited to see him come back. Maybe he can get a fight at 45 or something. Well, Aaron Hughes, uh, I spoke to both these guys afterward. Tyler went for his uh, his uh, ortho appointment today, so I thought that he would surely need surgery. He will not. They said uh, six weeks of uh, healing time, and he should be back at it. So that's definitely good news on that front. Aaron Hughes uh, messaged me and said he's ready to get back down here and uh, called for uh, called for Garrett Sharp actually. So uh, that could be a fight that uh, that maybe uh, you know begins to take some uh, some shape maybe down the road. Uh, Justin, uh, what are the picks? Uh, this is another one our panelists all got incorrect. Hey, I'm going to ask you guys a question real quick. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you said Aaron Hughes called, but I, I just want to get everybody's take real quick because I, I walked away from this fight a little salty and want to get everybody else's opinion. I, You know, when the fight was over and uh, Greg was talking to, to Aaron Hughes, what do you guys feel about when you're, you know, an out-of-town fighter and you come to a promotion? And, and again, I've, I've been with fighters before that use their moment to say, hey, Dana White, you know, call me this and that. And I think that's acceptable just to say where you want to go. But uh, like I said, I, maybe I'm a little pissy baby. I don't know. Maybe I just take uh, Valor a little too close to heart. But when they get on, when someone gets on the uh, the mic and, and just basically says, and I think his quote was, I, I'm too big for these 
regional shows. I'm better than these regional shows. When he was asked, you know, would you come back? It was almost like, a, I don't know. And I think the quote was, I, I'm, I'm better than these regional shows. Does that, did that rub anybody else wrong? Well, um, I got to say that it's good to have that confidence, I think. But at the same time, I think you have to have a little bit of uh, uh, realism in uh, in your thoughts as well. I mean, nobody at 1-0 uh, is going to be making those jumps uh, to, the, to the big show without toiling away a bit on the regional shows. And as uh, Aaron Hughes comes from a region that is at this point completely shut down. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he actually does need these regional shows. I've got, to, I've got, uh, I've got to say from my end, uh, anybody else got anything on that? I would just say, don't bite the hand that feeds you. I mean, you yeah. got to remember this. Uh, this is where you are getting your opportunity at is on the regional shows. So, I mean, let's say if you do go to the big time and you don't um, perform the way that you think you should perform, I mean, where are you gonna get? Where are you gonna get your other opportunity back at? Exactly, a regional show. So, uh, I'll, I'll be mindful of how you say certain things. I understand where Jeff Hobbs was coming from, so that is true. Be mindful. Yeah, it's I, one of those things I where. Wanna, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. I, I was just gonna put my two cents into it. Uh, I don't even, you know, I was right there beside him, but in the moment, you know, I wasn't even listening to him. I don't reckon, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> hey, I guess I tuned that kind of stuff out because I know everybody <laughs> talks shit. But yeah, one and oh, you're not gonna get nowhere and let's just uh let's just uh, talk facts i love tyler edwards he's a very deceptive owen two but at the end of the day the boy is owen two now he's owen three and you think that you're ready for a big region a bigger show than a regional show and he you just fought at 155 <clears throat> well i think garrett sharp would be the fight to make that's uh that's the one to do tim if he's gonna make comments like that you know let's just give him some not somebody from the region but right there from the home city of where valor you know takes place let him fight you know let him fight garrett sharp right there yeah, I got to agree with you, man. That now you, you get past Gary Sharp, a guy that uh, has a little bit of heat behind him right now, you know, then, uh, then maybe you kind of start uh, throwing around some of those uh, those type boasts. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see another win over a guy, uh, you know, that's uh, got a little bit more momentum behind him, if you will. Nothing against Tyler Edwards at all. Tough guy. And, and as we said, his uh, his record is deceptive. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see, uh, you know, get a, a win over uh, a guy like Gary Sharp, who he's called for to his credit. He's asking for it. So it's not like he's he's ducking it or anything so yeah maybe that maybe that kind of lines up i like it we could uh, get a little heat on that one i think because uh you know garrett's a guy that is pretty soft-spoken i think uh maybe aaron would be the type that could get a little fire out of out of him uh let's see here uh let's can, see. I, can, can i touch on this before we move yeah. on just to give a yeah. little bit of a different of perspective course. you know this the, the aaron hughes didn't have the greatest amateur career but he's, he's a guy who kept pushing kept grinding kept fighting um you know if he listened on this show, he wasn't picked to, to win this fight. Um, and then to get in there and win your first pro fight, I think just a lot of hype going on, a lot of a lot of emotions running. I think that deep down he knows that he's not going to win that fight and go somewhere else. But I think he's just saying, look, I've been telling you guys this for years. I'm good. You know, now I've proved it. Um, I think if you sit down and talk to him, I, I, don't, I don't think that he had any malice behind that or anything. I think calling Garrett Sharp out is the perfect way to, to back that up. I mean, you know, Garrett Sharp is 2-0, and but I guarantee you that there are eyes on Garrett Sharp that if you beat him, you're you're going to get some attention for sure. Um, and so, I, you know, if he would have said, oh, I want to fight, you know, somebody with a super upside down record next, then I would I would probably give him a little bit of a harder time. But um, since he's shooting for the, the toughest fights out there, man, I mean, you know, I say give it to him as well. I think that, uh, you know, that's 
I, I say more power to him, you know, to uh, go out there and, and try to take what he wants. All right, let's move on. The next bout was supposed to happen. It didn't happen. Emily King was supposed to take on Jessica Ruiz. That was probably the absolute uh, most miserable part of this entire week was, was working through that. Uh, Ruiz missed her flight on Wednesday night. There was a lot of back and forth about uh, adjusting the weights because uh, at that point, the, the earliest she could be here would be after the official weigh in. The state would not come uh, back to let her weigh until fight day. Obviously, that's not fair to uh, Emily King to have her hold 115 all the way to fight day. So there were some negotiations that took place to try to get uh, a same day weigh in up at 125. And uh, all that just uh, more or less went by the wayside and uh, Ruiz did not show up. So uh, unfortunately, Emily King, unfortunately, uh, unable to fight on this card. Hopefully we'll get her back uh, on the next one. Uh, Heavyweights up next. Uh, Everybody called this one. I already know Lorenzo Hood. Big uh, head kick knockout over Jake Zog. Um, not a whole lot of um, uh, what's a suspense on this one, I guess. Although I'll say to Zog's credit, he he handled himself pretty well through the first forty-five seconds to minute of that fight. I mean, he landed a shot or two, a uh, low blow as well, and uh, uh, and then once Lorenzo kind of you know kind of you know woke up and and started bringing it to him, it was uh, it was elementary. But actually, I thought Zog had a pretty good accounting for himself. He didn't just roll over. Uh, that's for sure. He, he brought it to him as best he could. Uh, Jeff Hobbs, your take. You and Lorenzo, man, you guys have uh, shared some time in there now. I know. Like I said in the post fight, uh, if he gets the call, I hate to see him go, man. We've uh, we've had some fun uh, with some banter back and forth, and uh, uh, I don't think he is um, as intimidated by me as he puts off. Uh, I don't think I scare him that much anymore. Um, but uh, you know, like you said, credit to Zog, man. I mean, for one, he showed up. He knew the history. Um, and, you know, we've seen people get in with people like Tank and people like Hood, and you can almost just kind of see it in their face like, Jesus, what am I doing? This kid was as calm, cool, and collected as they come getting in there, man. And uh, and when it was over, it was as calm, cool, and collected coming to the back, Tim, and asking you for another fight. You know, let me let me get back in. Give me Give me somebody else. Um, so, you know, it, it's been fun having Lorenzo Hood, but I just can't imagine, uh, you know, this, this guy being around for another VFC show. Um, so, you know, I guess that's an open invitation now, uh, you know, to some of our past heavyweights, you know, y'all can, y'all can come back now. I think he's leaving. The, uh, the co-main event, we'll go around the horn on this one. This, in my opinion, was the best fight of the night. Really solid. Uh, a little bit of controversy, too, we got to cover. Uh, it was Dre Miley taking on Jose Johnson at 135. Man, this was uh, this is a battle. I thought that both guys showed a lot of skill, a lot of technique. Um, it was kind of the, the age-old question of, uh, you know, takedowns versus damage. Dre had a lot of takedowns. I mean, he had multiple takedowns every round. Unfortunately, not able to do a whole lot of damage with those takedowns. And this was another fight that if it was on DraftKings, we would have had a lot of points too, just in reversals and advances. And there are so many takedowns and get ups and uh, just a lot, just a lot of action overall. Um, The uh, controversy came, uh, I guess it would have been in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. And um, there was a, there was a point where um, I guess there was an alleged eye poke from Jose Johnson, uh, going back and looking at the tape, it's really hard to tell. I mean, his hand does go up in that area before he throws an elbow, but the referee did not see the foul. Uh, Dre pointed out the foul, 
And at that point, the referee stepped in, kind of uh, put his hand in between him like he was stopping the action. Um, then there was like a strike thrown by Jose, like after that kind of stoppage, if you will. That to that said, like the referee didn't do a, re- a great job of kind of conveying what the call was or wasn't or what was going on. So there was a lot of confusion at that point. Uh, there was a stoppage where we kind of figure out what the hell we're doing from here. Uh, ultimately, they decided to let the fight continue, which was the best call of all, I guess, uh, given the circumstances. Jose, a little salty after he thought he deserved a, a TKO win at that point that was kind of taken away from him. But ultimately, he ended up getting the unanimous decision win on all the judges' scorecards, really back-and-forth fight. I thought Dre handled himself pretty well in the stand-up, actually, a little bit better than I expected. He landed some really nice shots as well. Um, One has to wonder if, you know, and I can see this being game plan, there was a lot of times when Dre would, like, take a knee after a strike in an attempt to like avoid like a knee to the head. So he was, you know, he was aware of what he was doing. It wasn't like he was, you know, uh, just out of it to where he was having to take a knee. But at the same time, you know, how does that look to the judges? Does that look like a show of timidity uh, when you're doing that? So it's kind of a dangerous game you play uh, when you go with that, uh, with that, uh, uh, that game plan. So uh, we'll take it around the horn. Greg, uh, I'll go to you first. Your uh, thoughts on this co-main event. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I uh, I I was lost, man. Just the uh, who was the referee that officiated on here on this fight? That was Chad Washburn, who's just kind of getting back in the game. I think he used to ref quite a bit back in the day, and he's just kind of started getting back into things. He, he's a knowledgeable guy, uh, BJJ black belt, so he knows what he's doing in there. I think it's uh, he still needs to get his uh, ring generalship up up to speed a little bit. Yeah, I was just I had. I had a question. I'm sure Jeff Hobbs was going to ask too. Are we going to have him back uh, after that? Because at that one point in time, it looked like he was going to jump in and actually stop the fight. And he like, you know, hesitated for a second and both fighters kind of stopped for a moment and was like, what? And then he just kind of stood in their personal face in, in between the fight. And then uh, Dre just got smashed. I mean, right in the face. And then they stopped the fight. Um, for a timeout, I don't, I, I don't know about timeouts. I mean, I mean, and then Dre was claiming he got poked in the eye, which, you know, in the socket that he doesn't have, but, uh, I'm so, I, and I mean, I know that's got to hurt. I'm just, uh, I was, I actually got up and walked away from the, uh, all the chaos to go sit at another table for the moment with everything going on. Cause Eric was going batshit crazy. Like I've never seen him fucking go. He went to another level after Dre got hit, and rightfully so because <clears throat> it wasn't a cheap shot, but it you know it, it was it was a legal shot. It was just that I think that would have happened had the referee not been right there. And then uh, then the rest of the fight, you really don't have a one hundred percent Dre. You don't have a one hundred percent Jose. I'm just and 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 you have the, his uh, Jose's corner going absolutely nuts and crazy, saying you stopped the fight, which you did, and uh, called a timeout. And I'm just. I was just baffled by that whole situation and I don't like it. I don't, I really, I think they should have stopped it right there at that point and either gave it to Jose or called it a no contest because that, I just, that's how I feel about it. Uh, n- nonetheless, after all that shit went out the, out the door, we had a hell of a fight. I mean, you could hear the pops and this was a, this was a damn, an, like a black, just dark alley fucking, just uh, these boys were just going after it. I mean, at any any point in time, these one thirty five pounders could have just, you know, ended the fight. 
you know, and it's, you don't see a whole lot of knockout powers that, power out of people like that. But damn, dude, being cage sap for this fight, you had to, you couldn't not watch. You could not, you had to you didn't squimish a little bit too when this fight was going on because this was a damn fight. And you talk, we talked last week about how Valor fights were, you know, what the main event was about. But this right here, you know, all the, uh, everything, all the, um, the controversy aside, the way these guys got down and went after it, I, I can't. You couldn't ask for more from two warriors. This was a hell of a fight, and the winner definitely deserved it. Jose won, but damn, Dre, I, he he gained a fan that night. I've always said I like Dre, but I'm a fan of him now. Yeah, I thought that Dre showed uh, a lot of um, uh, a lot of heart there again in, 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 in a tough fight. And you know, Dre's a guy that struggled to get um, licensed in several states because because of his eye situation. So I think if anything, he demonstrated in this fight that he can hang, um, you know, at a top level, and it's not oh, yeah. a negligent situation, you know, where he can't handle himself in there with these guys. I'll send it over to Torres. Yeah. Um... That fight was, I mean, man, I mean, look, like that first round, I mean, I don't know how you could score that first round. That first round was freaking crazy. I mean, you had Jose constantly taking him down. I mean, he probably took him down like what? I mean, I'll take that back. I mean, you had Jose with multiple strikes that hit Dre. I mean, Dre got a chin, but Dre took Jose down like what? Like six, seven times in that first round? Like, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Like, man. Both of these guys going at it. I mean, it was exciting from start to finish. Um, first round was, you know, questionable. That second round, I mean, that I mean, Jose started, you know, piece him up a little bit, but that's when the controversy happened. And yes, we all agree. Um, you know, it was it was really interesting to see. I mean, looking at the replay, I, I don't know. I thought the elbow that hit him in the eye is what probably caused it, but. I, did, I never thought he actually got poked. I did see where his hands grazed his face, but I never saw even when one of his fingers go towards the eye. But not going to be questionable for anybody. And um, But overall, I mean, from start to finish, it was an incredible fight. Really interesting game plan Dre had, you know, like you said, constantly staying low, constantly staying on the knee, you know, because, I mean, that limited some of the options for Jose. And, I, and obviously, I didn't think Jose wanted to get on the ground with him at all anyway. So... <laughs> And Dre, I mean, Dre is a fighter. Both of those guys are tough. They both had great moments back and forth. Easily, like you said, fighter tonight with the implications on it as well, with the pedigree from both guys. Easily fighting tonight, no question. Jeff Bobs. Yeah, man, like uh, like Greg said, man, the, the tension in this fight, you could, you know, in the room, not not in the fight, the tension in the room during, uh, you know, the, the controversy, you could, yeah, I mean, it was thick. You could cut it with a knife, man, but... Uh, uh, man, I don't know. You know, like everybody said, you know, Dre had a lot of takedowns in the first round, but, you know, I kind of look at things, you know, from a, a different angle sometimes. I think, you know, for a person to have that many takedowns, that also means your opponent got up from them pretty quick, you know. Um, so, you know, Johnson was able to get his back on the cage and, and get back up. Um, but Dre's transitions back to single legs to get him back down were impressive. Uh, but, you know, we had just as many take. We only had one more takedown than we had get ups, you know, uh, mathematically. So it was a really close round. I think all of us looked at each other at our table and just said, thank God I'm not judging this. Um, wouldn't have wanted any part of that first round. You know, the controversy hit again. I don't think the referee made any bad. I don't think what he did was necessarily um, indicative of his 
refing abilities, I think it's just more of a, um, a a character and personality of not just being, like you said, that commanding ring general, you know, one of those referees that uh, there's no doubt to both fighters and there's usually no doubt to the crowd what he's what his calls are because he's forceful. He's loud. Um, you know, everyone in the room knows what uh, his instructions are during the fights. And, you know, Chad just isn't one of those people right now. And hopefully that gets better. Um I think one thing we have to keep in mind is is there isn't a lot of intimidation by the corners, all right, by the coaches. But again, that's that's okay. That's not new. Eric Turner is not the only coach in this world who um, yells at referees or yells instructions or tries to. That is part of being a coach. Mike Merriman is one of the best at that. Hell, John Crouch out at the lab is one of the best at that. That's what you do as a coach. You. You're fighting for your guy in your corner. You're trying to get everything seen. You're trying to get everything looked at. Uh, you're trying to get every time a, a hand or foot touches the cage. Uh, it's hey, actually, it's yeah. Hey, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't want you to misconstrue that thinking that I was saying when Eric went batshit crazy. I was no, 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 no. I, was, I, I just hear okay. other people, not you. I hear other got people. You, got you. you know, no, because uh, even blame. against even in my own personal fight, I was I was like still Eric Turner did what he was supposed to do. Any any no, no, that's know, a, yeah. And I don't think you said I'm all you about Eric that. Turner. To coach I think uh, I love hearing his in between rounds. I'm thinking what people are blaming the referee for. Now I think what happens is is most referees block that stuff out. They don't let that coaching intimidate them. They don't let that 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 coach telling them, hey, this happened or this happened. You know, a lot of referees will just go, didn't see it. They'll yell at the corner, didn't see it, shut up, whatever, and they go on about their business. And I think he listens to it too much. And then he started second-guessing himself on, on what he should have done. You know, I know you said something about a no contest, and I think, you know, uh, me with a microphone in my hand and wanting to quickly address the crowd was standing next to our, our Tennessee Athletic Commission. And while he was on the phone with with his boss and things like that, and I think the problem with that was, is, um, you know, you could you could have done a no contest if there was a foul involved, but since he never called a foul and he called the timeout and he motioned to the timekeeper that it was a timeout, you can't end the fight in the sense of you can't now call it a TKO during a timeout. The fact that he went ahead and, and acknowledged it as a timeout, well, there's no way during a timeout now we can say, oh, it was a TKO. So, um you know, I think that's just something that's going to, you know, come with more more time in the cage. Because um, I'm like you guys. If the referee just would have simply yelled back, didn't see a foul, keep fighting, you know, which we've all kind of watched the tape and we don't necessarily see the foul. So we can't blame him for not seeing a foul if we all think that that foul didn't necessarily occur either. The problem was, is he didn't take control and let everybody in there know that I didn't see a foul and stop the fight. Um he got hesitant because he was reacting to the fighter's reaction. He was reacting to uh, the corner imploring that there could have been a foul or an eye poke. And, and that's where all that kind of stepped in uh, and, and kind of got him just all out of sorts. So, you know, that's my take on that, you know, on the controversy side of it. But it was a great fight. That was a UFC level fight. Um, you know, that was definitely one I give Greg a lot of props too, because Greg had been helping with uh, the post-fight interviews and he quickly looked at me and said, uh, you got this one, Hobbs. Uh, he didn't want to go in there and announce this result and be engaged with these people. And like Greg said, you know, uh, Johnson's crowd was our corner was livid at first, but I think oh, yeah. they had, that, they had that fear after a few minutes, like, 
oh, crap, they may call this a no contest and they quieted down quick. Uh, so ultimately, I think this fight was decided the way it should have been. And that's not by a referee and not by judges. Uh, well, it was by judges, but it happened in the cage. The fight finished in the cage and not in between rounds because of, you know, any type of controversy. All right, Justin, uh, what were the uh, the tallies on this one? Uh, Greg went with Johnson. The other two, uh, let's see, Greg and uh, Hobbs actually both went with Johnson. Uh, Finney went with Miley. Uh, both get the extra point for decision. All right, and it uh, takes us to the main event. And that was another good one. We had Charlie C4 Alexander taking on King Kong, Nathan Ariaga, and uh, another another exciting one, man. First round back and forth. I thought that uh, the leg kicks from Charlie were obviously on point. He dropped him with leg kicks at least two times, maybe three times. Um, and uh, Ariaga, you know, uh, kept coming forward. I thought that when they got in the exchanges, uh, just kind of the, the the firefights in the pocket, if you will, that Ariaga actually landed some pretty nice uh, some pretty nice blows. Uh, I commented uh, at cage side, you know, this isn't really the fight that Charlie wants to engage in because he's got uh, so many other ways that he can win. This is the way that Ariaga wants to fight this this fight. But uh, second round, uh, Ariaga uh, at one point drops his hands, just kind of like, come on, you know, a little showboat in there. And it wasn't long after that uh, Charlie did come on and he did. Uh, he landed the big shot that, that stunned him. Uh, he uh, started with some ground and pound and then uh, switched off to uh, to the guillotine choke and got the submission in the second round over a very durable and tough Ariaga guy that is not easy to get out of there. So really nice win for, uh, for Charlie Alexander. I think, uh, he's on, uh, he's on the cusp of, of something, of something bigger. You know, he's, he's maybe one or two away from getting that call up and, uh, he's doing all the right things. You can tell, uh, Ariaga is a guy that, you know, uh, we're glad to see him back. You know, he's a guy that doesn't give you boring fights. You know, if you get Ariaga in there, you're going to you're going to get a show out of him win or lose. And so, uh, there's still a lot of uh, really cool fights. I think, for him as well. Uh, we'll send it back the reverse order this way and go to Hobbs first. Yeah, uh, again, uh, I think it's everything that we guys expected. Uh, you know, at, at the uh, last Picks panel show, um, we expected this to be a good fight, and it was. We knew Ariaga was a tough cat man, and and uh, it's go it was going to be hard uh, to put him away because not many people do. And, um, you know, uh, Charlie looked great in the first round. The kicks were working. The low kicks, the calf kicks were working. Um, you know, at some point he just kind of abandoned those. And, and, you know, I can't even remember what Charlie said afterwards, but, you know, wasn't sure if that was part of uh, the game plan. Let's move on to something else. Or was there something Ariaga did to, to stop that? And I think a lot of it was, like you said, the pressure that Ariaga was putting on coming forward. Uh, he did hit Charlie a lot in that first round. Um, but I wouldn't say many of them were, you know, huge punches. Uh, Charlie's movement was really good and he was, he was slipping out of the way and a lot of those caught him in movement. So he wasn't, you know, standing flat footed or solid to where, you know, there was a big reaction off of them. But uh, like you said before, Tim, I think, you know, what changed in that second round was um, Ariaga getting comfortable with Charlie's punches, maybe not being knockout punches and not really thinking about what happens with uh, the volume of punches. And, you know, I talked to Charlie afterwards. He goes, I, I wasn't throwing knockout punches. He said it kind of threw me off when he put his hands down and he was letting me hit because I just knew if you let me do this enough, they may not be knockout punches, but they're going to add up. And I think that's kind of where the downfall, uh, you know, if there was a mistake made by Ariaga, it was feeling a little too comfortable, um, 
you know, taking those, uh, those straight on, uh, non-defensive punches from Charlie, because like you said, after about two or three of them, uh, that's when we saw the drop help happen. And, uh, you know, I was impressed with Charlie, um, you know, in, in the past, I think he would have, uh, gone in and possibly tried for the TKO finished, uh, which may not have come. And then you're thinking, damn, why did you not, you know, finish this fight or why did you go for the TKO? So, you know, watching kind of the, the growth and maturity there that um, while the TKO would have been exciting and the ground to pound would have been exciting, uh, Charlie needed a finish at this point in his career. And he got it. He saw the opening and he thought, I'm, I'm taking what he's giving me right now and I'm getting out of here. So, uh, I mean, that was a good it was a good finish for him and you know, happy for him. Like you said, I think he's close, um, but, you know, we've we've talked to Charlie since the fight and and I definitely think uh, we've got some things in the works and we're going to get at least an opportunity to uh, to see him one more time. Yes, the main event overall. Yeah, I mean, it was a phenomenal main event. Charlie Alexander truly showed himself off in that one. I mean, like you said, I don't I really don't understand. Um, We saw Nathan switch his stance in that first round. Um, he did, you know, drop to three straight calf kicks. But after that, I mean, man, it, I don't know, man. It, it was it was weird. Um, um, Nathan Nathan changed up some of his striking the way, you know, after what I seen him do against Logan. I mean, he didn't strike the same way, probably because you know Charlie Alexander was moving a lot of great movement from Charlie. I mean, he was moving from, I mean, side to side, great head movement. I mean, he was his feet movement was really phenomenal. I mean, he just pieced up um, Nathan with just a really good overall performance by Charlie. And um, like you said, he got himself to finish. And that hook, man, man, it caught him right on the chin and dropped him. He went and got the submission. And, hey, phenomenal fight. And I'm excited to see, you know, the future for Charlie. I can't wait to see. There's a lot of other good matchups I'd like to see throughout in Valor. So I can't wait. Greg, wrap us up here on this one. Uh, Your take on uh, Alexander Ariaga. Man, uh, I, I, you know how I feel about it, old Charlie, but I will say this. Um, <clears throat> his game looks a lot more uh, well-mannered you know, and put together now. He, like Jeff said, he's moving good, and you guys are mentioning you know, his, uh, he's a prospect. He has been for time. He's got the build. He's got the look. And uh, I, I tell you right now, I feel a lot of people don't like the kid. They just don't like him. Uh, and, and, and reason being is because of the way he acts after his fights. He's arrogant. Uh, and he's confident, you know, he, he knows he can win. And, uh, you know, people are looking for that. And a lot of people like to hate that, but you know, a lot of people like to see that guy fight too. So whether you love him or hate him, you're wanting to see Charlie fight and promoters love that. And the next level is going to like that too. And that's where he's trying to go. Um, I did not see a TKO coming here. 